basically the chorus is very powerful. It says, Lord, give me your life. I want to live only for you. Give me your life. What is it? Esa clase de vida? That kind of life that only you could give. Give me your life. I want to live only for you. How many, how many want to live for Jesus for the rest of the days? Actually, how many are living for Jesus right now? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so every morning when I wake up, that is my vow. Say, God, let me live for you. You know, folks, we don't know how much time we have here. The only thing that we know is the time that's before us right now. We could either dwell and cry over the wasted times and the mistakes that we've done in the past. Or we could just take advantage of the present moment and say, God, let me live for you every morning when you wake up. God, let me live today for you. That wherever I go, your life would shine through me. And someone would be touched. Someone would be able to see Jesus in me. I think if we all made a vow like that, and we trusted the Holy Spirit to help us keep that vow, this world would be different. It only takes one to change a nation, to change a state, to change a city. And I'm going to be talking about that today. A few weeks ago, they celebrated the Feast of Purim, the Jews. So I'm going to be talking about Purim because we've been talking about Israel. Pastor Margie was referring to Israel, the importance of Israel, last week. Uh, Wednesday, we had a powerful prayer time for Israel. And, uh, and so their feasts were given to them by God. It was not that somebody decided, oh, let's make a holiday and let's just have a celebration every year. No, God gave them their feasts. That's why they're called the feasts, not of Israel. They're called the feasts of the Lord. So when a Jew celebrates a holiday, it's really a holy day. Because they realize that those are not feasts that they invented or they came up with. But they are the feasts of the Lord. And there's many other feasts that have come out of those feasts that God gave them. That they also consider holy. Now, I don't know if the children, did, were they dismissed? Or they were already, they're gone? Praise you. Wow, this place looks pretty full for the children being gone. Praise the Lord. Usually when they leave, they leave a huge void. And so I thought they were still here. But anyway, I want you to open up your Bibles. What a powerful worship. Powerful song that Johnny just sung. Uh, and so we pray that the message will be equally as powerful this, this morning for your life and for mine. We know that the word of God is omnipotent because it's his word. And so it means that it has all power. I think I spoke a few weeks ago and I said that any solution that you need for any situation in life is found in the word of God. Um, I know we have doctors, I know we have counselors, we have psychologists and psychiatrists, and those are all people that God has gifted with wisdom in certain areas to help humanity. But we believers, we have the most powerful counselor, guider, deliverer that has been given to us. It is the word of God and it is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're struggling this morning, Josh was talking about if anybody walked in this morning uh, broken or with a heavy burden or, you know, you're struggling in life. I challenge you, take this time right now and say, God, help me to push away every distraction so that I could hear purely your counsel. Because I know that in your counsel, 
there is life. In your counsel, I will find the breakthrough that I came this morning seeking. You don't have to wait for anyone to pray for you, to lay hands on you. You could just hear the word of God. Why? The Bible says that faith, the faith that you need, which could be the size of a grain of mustard seed, which is almost invisible, that's the, the only faith you need. With a faith that size, you can move mountains. And so the Bible says that the faith that we need to move mountains, and maybe the stuff you're facing may seem like a mountain to you that's immovable. The faith that you need to move that mountain comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So open your Bibles. Esther, the book of Esther. Short book is close to the book of Job, right, right, right around that area, right after the book of Nehemiah, before the book of Job. If you're still struggling, the book of Job is right before Psalms. If you're still struggling, then I challenge you, just go to the, <laughs> what, what do they call that? The index, yeah, and just look for Esther and go to the page. Amen. But if you have some kind of Bible familiarity, then I just want to let you know it's close to Job right there. Book of Esther. <clears throat> Chapter 9. I'm just going to read from verse... Uh, I mean, I could read the whole chapter, but Pastor Margie said you do that at home. <laughs> she said just read the whole chapter, and then she goes on to read the whole book. This is a good book for you to read the whole book. And the interesting thing about this book, theologians and scholars have had battles in regards to why is this book part of the canon. Because it is the only book in the Bible that has no mention of the name of God. Doesn't even use the word of God. The, the word G-O-D. The only book in the Bible. You will not find a direct reference to God. You won't find his name. You won't find his story. But you will find a reference to God as you read the story. And as you see how the people of Israel who have been the subject of persecution, have been the subject of schemes, of plots, of, of treachery throughout their history. They have been the subject of great attacks. They have been the subject of annihilation, extermination. The devil has always sought to eliminate them from the planet, even today. They're a tiny nation, a speck if you look at the map of the globe. And yet God has had a purpose with that nation. And he promised that to Abraham thousands of years ago. That through his seed, God would raise for himself a people that he would use so that they would be an example to the nations of the world. And so... They've been at the brink of extinction many times in history. The most recent, of course, those of you that know a little bit of history, the most recent was in uh, um, the 1900s when Hitler uh, um, wanted to destroy the Jewish people. I mean, he was targeting to take over the world, but he had a... He had a, a, a specific desire to destroy the Jewish people. And he killed over six million of them. And throughout history, no matter how much the devil has tried to erase these people from the face of the earth, God has always come through for them. Now I want you to know, they're God's people of the old covenant. I want you to know, God has adopted a people in this new covenant, and that is you and I. I want you to know the devil can't stand you. He hates you to death. And he seeks every possible way to come up with a plan to not only rob you and steal from you, but to kill you and destroy you if it be possible. 
But I want to tell you also that in the same manner that God stood up for Israel and still stands up for Israel today, he also stands up for those of us that are part of that new covenant. So I, regardless of what you're going through this morning, I want you to know the host of heaven is at your beckham. They are ministering angels, warring angels that are just waiting for you to cry out and call out to them and say, come, Lord, send those angels to do war. And as a matter of fact, sometimes you don't even have to call them out. They're doing war. You don't even realize how much warfare is taking place around your life every day, spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, if you realize you probably dropped dead of a heart attack, if God was to expose to you all the times that he delivered you from the, from the grips of Satan. He was about to kill you. He, was about, he had a plan. He was going to kill you through an accident. He was going to kill you through um, whatever. He planned something to destroy you because he can't stand you. He hates you. He hates the mention of you. He hates the mention of Jesus, but he hates the mention of you because you're a little Jesus. You're a follower of Christ. And disciples are little Jesus, mini Jesus. And so he hates us. But God, in the same manner that he fought for Israel, he fights for me and he fights for you. My God, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You ought to shout to somebody next to you and tell them God is on my side. <laughs> not just any God. It's not just an image made by, no, no, the God of the heavens the God of the earth, the creator of the universe, he's on my side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? There's nothing that we need to fear, nothing that man can do that would cause us to fret and fear because if God is for us, who can be against us? You could be going through hell and high water right now. You might have walked in this place like Josh says, discouraged, depressed, Maybe hopeless, helpless. Maybe someone walked in here and said, if God don't speak to me this morning, then I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't take it anymore. I'm about to quit. I'm about to throw in the towel. I'm about to run. I can't take this anymore. If God don't speak to me this morning, I'm telling you because I've walked into church many times like that. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I got a special favor with God and that I don't go through the stuff that you go through. Sometimes I go through that and some. And these days I want to quit and I want to run. But God always comes on time. And he intervenes on our behalf. Man, I preached the message already without reading the verses. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Esther for the benefit of those that like things to be done in order. There's people that get frustrated if you don't read the scripture. Or if you don't preach a message with all these points outlined in. So for the benefit of the week, we're going to read scripture. Amen. What did we say we're going to read? Nine what? We didn't say. Okay. All right. You want to read the whole thing? We can read the whole thing if you want. Let's read the whole thing then. Now, I'll give you a little historical background so you would understand uh, what this chapter really means. But I'll do that as we preach. On the 13th day of this 12th month, the month of Adar. Don't look for that month in your calendar. You won't find it. It's a Jewish month. It usually falls between February 27th of our calendar and March 27th, usually during that time, is the month of Adar. As a matter of fact, this year, that's when it fell. Between February 27th and March 27th, this year, 2017, was the month of Adar. Now, their calendar changes. It's not like ours because they go by leap years. And, they, and so that's why they celebrate their holidays not always on the same day. We celebrate Christmas every time, December 25th. Whether it's Legia or not, it's December 25th. Their holidays are celebrated 
the exact date and the exact month, and because their month always are rotating and changing, it's not always in the same time that our calendar would point out. So this year, again, February 27th to March 27th is the month of Adar. So right now we're living in the Jewish month of Adar. So it was in a time like this that chapter 9 evolves. The edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews, this was what they were supposed to carry out. The enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities and in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. No one can stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces and the satraps and the uh, governors and the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai has seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, then also killed Parshan, whatever that is, Dalphin, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Arithatha, Parmish man. If you ain't got a name for your kid and you're having one, you got a good selection here. Arizai, Aradai, and Val Zeta. The ten sons of Haman and of, man, whatever, Ham, Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. The number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? It will also be granted. Verse 13. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, Give the Jews and Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on gallows. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman, and the Jews and Susa came together on the 14th day of the month of Adar. So let me see, 14th day. If Adar started February 27th, What's 14 days after that? March, March 12th. Because the 27th, 28th, and then 12 days after that, 14 days. That's 14 days. So March 12th, on March 12th. Today! Holy stromboli! Today! It was today! Now, I didn't know that when I read this chapter. Wow! Praise God. Mm. Let's go back. Where was I, Lisa? Where was I? 14. Okay. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they hanged the ten sons of Haman. The Jews in Susa came together on the 14th day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa 300 men. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled. That means that today is a day of demolition. Now, the Bible says that we don't fight flesh and blood. But we fight principalities, powers, and the rulers of darkness. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, today is a day of demolition. Don't pull out your 357 or your 48 or whatever you have or a knife for those Puerto Ricans that are in the house. Don't pull out your blade. That's not 
That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're not talking about physical demolition. I could say that. No one else could say that if you're not Puerto Rican. If you're Puerto Rican, you can say that, and nobody should get offended because I got the right to say that. If you're Puerto Rican, you know we're known for switchblades. <laughs> Amen. So today is a day of demolition, but it's not for you to pull out your carnal weapons. For the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. For the, what's, what's my favorite word? For the what? Demolition. Destruction sounds good, but demolition, man, I just, you ever seen demolition derbies? I mean, those are fun, man. When those huge trucks and those, those animals of, of machines, they just take something and they just crush it and they leave it beyond recognition. So today is the day of demolition in the spirit realm. That means that if you came in here fighting something, if something has been fighting you, I believe God is prophetically speaking to you today. Because it was on the 12th day of the month of Adar. On the 14th day of the month of Adar. That means today is the 14th day of the month of Adar. That's when they decided to go on a demolition derby. They destroyed, they killed the enemy. Amen? So are you ready to kill? Are you ready to kill? Are you ready to chase some devils out of your life? Out of your family? Out of your home? Out of the life of your children? Are you ready to chase some devils out? Of your parameters? Are you ready to tell the devil, this is my territory because this is God's territory? How dare you overstep your boundaries? Not only am I going to evict you, I'm going to slain you. And you're never coming back. Amen? Amen? Come on. So, let's move on. Meanwhile, the remainder of Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of them, but did not lay their hands on the plunder. This happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. The Jews in Susa however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th, they rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. That is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observed the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day of giving presents to each other. So, as you chase your devils this morning, amen. In two days, as a matter of fact, by Wednesday, come here and bring some presence to God. Bring a word of testimony. Bring a way to pray. I, I strongly believe that. I'm, I, I'm not saying this just to get you all emotionally excited. I strongly believe there's going to be testimonies that are going to come out of this message this morning. There's going to be breakthroughs in some people's lives. Anybody needs a breakthrough? Any area of your life that you need a breakthrough? I really believe that if you heed he this message this morning. There's going to be a breakthrough that you're going to experience in the next couple of days. And then as a result, you're going to be able to party, feast, celebrate. And as a result, you're going to be able to bring gifts to God and bring gifts to those, amen, around you that might be struggling. There's no greater gift you could give a person around you that's struggling than to share with them your victory. How God saw you through the process. Sharing with them your testimony. How is it that you were at the brink of death? How is it that you were at the brink of quitting? How is it that you were at the brink of, 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 of a depression that was going to annihilate you, that was taking your peace? And how is it that God saw you through? There's no better gift you could give someone than the words of encouragement that comes from your testimony. Because you tell them, if God did it for me, I'm not a favorite child of God. We are all his favorite children. So if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Somebody got a testimony like that? Don't share it with me now. You ought to share it with someone this week as a word of encouragement. That's your gift to someone this week. There's people that need to hear words of encouragement. We live in a society and in a time where all we're hearing is negativity. All we're hearing is 
pessimism and, and, and doom and gloom. Amen. How great for the people of God to rise up in the midst of all the doom and gloom that surrounds our culture, our nation, our society, the world. And for us to rise up and tell the world there is hope. God has seen me through. God delivered me from gloom and doom. God delivered me from oppression. So if he delivered me, he is able to deliver you. That's what the world needs to hear today. Not a message of condemnation, not a message of, judge, of judgment, but a message of, of, of deliverance. Amen? Hallelujah. Where are we? 20. Mordecai recorded these events. And he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and the 15th day of the month of Adar, as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy, and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, son of Hamadatha, and the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast the pur. That's where the word purring comes from. It comes from the word pur. P-U-R is a Hebrew word that means lots. They cast it lots. And so that is, uh, for he had cast lots for their ruin and destruction. But the plot came to the king's attention. He issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back onto his own head. How many know that whatever the devil devised against you is coming back to get him? And not only the devil, but even people that desire you wrong. Now, we're not praying for God to curse them, but it's just, it's just a natural... Um, result those that curse the people of God ultimately they fall under that curse if they don't repent and so when people desire you wrong and you're under the blood of Christ and you stay focused you don't get, let yourself get bent out of shape or you don't lose your your your, your mind because you know they, they, I, I just have difficulty with Christians being afraid because they're saying, oh, well, if someone's casting a spell on me and there's some witches over there that are doing this. And man, there ain't no witch, there ain't no devil, there ain't no spell that could do anything against you if you're under the blood of Jesus. So cut that nonsense. Forget about that. Hell can rise up against you. And Satan himself can't do nothing against you unless it's... Through the authority of God. And if God gives him authority, it's because he's going to bring something even more glorious than what, than what you've already experienced. So, verse 25. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back onto his own head. And that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, these days were called Purim, from the word pur, because everything written in this letter and because of what they had seen and what had happened to them. The Jews took it upon themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. Remember that I said that there was seven feasts that God gave the Jews. Those are my feasts. But then on top of that, God allowed them to add other feasts. And this is one of them. The Feast of Purim. So from that moment on, they established, they created this feast because God had delivered them, had turned their sorrow into gladness. And so they decided and they made it their business to establish it as a holy day for all the generations to come. So this, these days, verse 28. Should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never cease to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of them die out among their descendants. So Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, along with Mordecai, the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter concerning Purim. 
And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Sersix. Words of goodwill and assurance to establish these days of Purim as their designated times. As Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them. And as they had established for themselves. And their descendants in regard to their, their times of fasting and lamentation. Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim. And it was written down in the records. Amen. May God continue to bless his word in our lives. And so as I was saying at the beginning. Um, Purim is a celebration that was established as a result of, of what God had done, the deliverance that he had brought about um, to the Jewish people um, when they were basically at the brink of being uh, eliminated. And so throughout the history, enemies has always, have, have always plotted the destruction of God's people. Time and time again, schemes have been uh, developed councils, people have come together to end, amen, the, the, um, the children of God, to put an end to them. But it's amazing how is it that each time that this has happened, God has intervened. And every time, just when they're about to be overcome by sorrow, by grief, God turns their sorrow into a great celebration. It reminds me of Psalms 23, verse 5. Psalms, 120, or Psalms 23, verse 5, and you could paraphrase it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You know, have you ever sat down and really thought about what, what that means? That means that when you're in your worst predicament, that means that when you're in your worst crisis, that means that when you're under the most intense attack from Satan, from hell, from those who hate you, God, in the midst of that mess, and sometimes we are so caught up in the mess that we miss out on God actually being present and preparing a table for me. Now, it's preparing a table not so that you could write something. No, no, it's preparing a, a, a banqueting table. God, in other words, God is planning a party in the midst of your crisis, not to celebrate your destruction, but actually for you to celebrate the destruction of your enemy. It's amazing. God is preparing every time. That means the next time that you're confronted with a trial and the enemy puts doubts in your mind and you come up with all these questions because we all come up with questions. Why me? I'm trying to do things right. Why am I going through this? Just when I decided to change my life, just when I decided to give my life to Christ, just when I decided to live this Christian life, all of a sudden all hell has broken loose. And all these things are happening to me all of a sudden. I want you to remember, I want the Spirit of God to engrave this verse in your memory bank, in your heart, so that you know that in the midst of your crisis, God is an ever-present help. He's right there in front of you, next to you, behind you, all around you, preparing the celebration party, preparing the victory that you're about to experience over your enemies. Amen. That's why we can never, amen, give up. The Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 says that we are not those who retreat. And it says we don't retreat for the perdition of our souls, but we are those that move forward. We are those that are looking ahead. No matter what surrounds us, God is preparing a table, a banqueting table, a celebration table for us right when we're in the midst of crisis. Psalm 69 verse 22, it says, let their own table. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Let their own table. Now, 23.5, it says God is preparing for us a table. Now, in Psalm 65 22, God is saying, and the psalmist is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, let their table become, what does it say there? Let their, their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become their trap. So this is the scene. This is the scene. Your haters 
They're having a party when your life is miserable. Your haters. They're having this party. They're playing this table. Man, they're ready to get their groove on, dance, and, 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 and do all of this. And all of a sudden, in the midst of your tribulation, you remember who you are. And you cry out to God. And little did you know that while you were crying out to God, before you even cried out to God, he was already setting you up for a party. So what he does is he turns the tables. He sets up a table for you who were supposed to be crying and who were supposed to be lamenting. Now he sets a table for you to party. And the ones that had set a table to party about your demise, about your disfreedom, about your destruction, God turns their table into their snare. You know what that means? He set them up. He trapped them. They thought they were going to party without realizing that God has set them up for their own demise and their own destruction. So what they desire over you, God has turned it around. That's why the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, for God causes all things to work out for the good. Now, that doesn't mean all good things, but all things. That means the bad things that happen in your life. That means the crisis that happened in your life. That means the diagnosis of cancer. That means the diagnosis of disease, of infirmity, or terminal illness. He causes all things. That means when you get the, 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 the report from your job that you're going to get laid off. That means when your bank account starts dwindling and you can't meet your responsibilities. Amen. And you're about to, you don't know what to do. You're confused. You don't know because you're giving your tithes and offering, but you can't make ends meet. Amen. Just when you're about to quit and just when you're about to say, I ain't giving no more tithes and offering. Amen. I need this to pay my bills. Amen. But because you stuck out. Amen. And you believe God. God is setting you up and he's setting your enemy up. Setting you up for a celebration. For a financial breakthrough. Anybody needs a financial breakthrough this morning? Anybody struggling? Anybody struggling with a decision you need to make and you feel you don't have direction? You're not clear as to what, wh which way you should go. Whatever your situation is this morning, I want you to know God is in control. God is with you. He's setting you up. He's preparing you for a great party. Hallelujah. Praise God. We see this all throughout the history of Israel. We see it from the time he brought them out of Egypt. Pharaoh had order for all the Jewish boys to be put to death, to be killed. But God protected them. And when all the Jewish boys were supposed to die, God, amen, came up with another feast, Passover. We see it with the defeat of Antiochus Epiphanes during the Maccabees when the resulting feast which resulted in the Feast of Hanukkah. We even see it in, the, in what happened in the 20th century, century with Hitler and the Holocaust. Six million Jews were tortured to death. Some of them burned in ovens. Amen. But God still preserved. And those that he preserved, amen, from the ashes of what Hitler was trying to do to the Jews, God raised up a beautiful state, a beautiful nation called Israel. A few years after the destruction of Hitler. Hitler was going to kill them, and he wound up dying. The enemies of Israel were, were out to kill them, and they had the upper hand. They had the advantage, but they wound up dying. Because God, whatever curse the enemy sends against you or anyone sets against you, it will come back against them. God will never allow it to be carried out. If you keep your faith, if you keep your hope, if you keep your eyes on the goal, if you don't give up, God has a breakthrough coming your way. There's someone here that's probably struggling in their marital relationship. You probably gave up. You probably think, well, there's no chance of reconciliation. I'm here to tell you. It's a setup. If you're faithful to God, if you believe God, if you trust the word of God, if you believe that God is a God of his word and a God of his promises and he never turns back on his promises, is a setup. God is about to set a party, amen, in your relationship. You're about to mourn the loss of a spouse. You're about to mourn probably the loss of a child that has rebelled and left your home and probably has, has rendered themselves to sin and to, and to all kinds of 
in morality, amen, I'm here to tell you, is a setup. God is about to turn your situation around. You have to remain faithful. You have to remain confident and trusting in the Lord that saved you, in the Lord that rescued you, in the Lord that has empowered you. You have to keep your eyes focused. And keep your heart set on God. God is going to bring breakthrough through your situation because he's done it with the people of Israel. He does it for us. Just when the Jews were going to be exterminated by Haman, God raises up a Mordecai and an Esther. You know that we are living in a planet, seven close to 7 billion people inhabit the planet. Here in the United States, we have around 300 plus million people that live in the United States. And yet, in many of these historical events that are registered in the Bible, God didn't use an army to turn things around. God just used one man or one woman that was available. What I want to tell you with this is that the salvation of this nation could be dependent on you. The turnaround of this nation could be dependent on one person. God doesn't need many people. He can use just one because that's what he did here. He used just two people came together and he used them to save an entire nation. Now imagine if we all think that way. <laughs> you know, we used to sing a song back in the days. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Remember that song? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Remember that? Now, the, it was not a plural statement. It was a singular statement. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And this is what we see in this story. God uses one, two people that made themselves available. And through these two people, he intervenes and he saves an entire Nation. Now, if we all were to think that way, God, use me. Use me to shine your light. Use me to raise the standard of truth in the midst of so much corruption. Use me to be a man, a pillar of hope. If we all think that way and if we all pray that way, can you imagine what God would be able to do? He'd be able to turn not only this community, be able to turn the state, a nation, turn it around. In no time. Because that's the God that we serve. Don't underestimate your God. Purim is the Hebrew word for lots. Now the practice of lots or casting lots was completed by taking a group of sticks or stones with markings or symbols and Casting them off into an enclosed area. And it was used by the Jews throughout history as a way of them being able to discern what direction or what decisions God wanted them to take. It was not a guessing game. It was just, this is a practice that was established among the people of Israel. Now, not everybody could read that and, dis and decide where God was leading them. Only Spiritual men, usually priests or prophets, they'll be able to read. Remember the, the story of when Judas committed suicide, the 12th disciple? The Bible says in the book of Acts that the 11 that were left, they cast what? Lots. So they would take a group of sticks or pebbles, stones, marked with certain symbols, and they would cast it. And then those that were led by the Spirit would be able to, based on how they felt, what direction they felt, they'd be able to tell what decision God wanted them to make. Now, we don't need to cast lots now. We don't need to practice that now. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us to all truth and all understanding. Now, some of you thought that casting lot means like casting dice. Like playing CeeLo or something like that. No, no. That's not what casting lots meant. Amen. Casting lots was a custom used by the Jews, and God would use that simplicity, and he would give them direction. But we don't need that now. We have the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know what decision to make, it's simple. Cry to God. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. You know, we're living in a day. People want everything easy. They want God to guide them, but they don't want to have a relationship with God. They want God's guidance and they want God's best for their lives, but they don't want to spend time with God. And I'm telling you, if you want God to guide you, you got to take out time for God. So you can hear the voice of God. So you can see whatever it is that God is trying to reveal to you. you got to take out time. you got to invest time and establish that intimacy and that relationship so that the spirit of God that is within you will be able to speak to your spirit and tell you what you need to do. Amen. Bible says we don't have a need for counselors and for because we have the counselor inside of us. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't seek counsel for others in the church? That's not what the Bible is saying. But the Bible is saying there's going to be situations that you ain't going to have the brother that can counsel you. There's going to be times you shouldn't be calling the pastor at 3, hour, three in the morning. Because the pastor needs to sleep. And why are you calling the pastor if you got the, the guidance counselor living inside of you? Come on. So there's times when the pastor will be available to you. The elders will be available. Someone that's spiritually mature will be available to you. But there's going to be times that you're going to find yourself fighting this thing alone. And when you're fighting this thing alone, you ain't going to have no one around you available to help you. Amen. So you have to get on your knees and, amen, and tap into the resource that God has planted inside of you. Holy Spirit. And it is in those moments. I tell you, if we learn to do that, pastors will be healthier because they can sleep at night. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, no one has done that recently. And I'm telling you with this message, don't even think about it. You're in a crisis, get on your knees. Cry out to God. Then after 8 o'clock, shoot us a text. Give us a call. Praise the Lord. Doesn't mean that we sleep too late, but that's a reasonable time. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not even at the introduction of this message. And it's 1120, 25. All right. So casting lots. We were talking about casting lots, right? It was used by the Jews throughout the Old Testament. And even Jesus Christ's disciples in the New Testament, until Pentecost, they used this custom. The way that the lots landed would be interpreted by someone present, usually a person considered close to God, or learned in Scripture. The casting of lots was typically used when a big decision had to be made. So it wasn't something that was used, uh, you know, casually. It was for big decisions. I mean, you shouldn't be seeking the spirit of God, amen, for decisions that you already know what you need to do. Amen. In other words, if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're not serving the Lord, don't be praying to God asking for guidance and direction. The Bible tells you, do not do and make unequal yoke. Are we clear with that? Amen. Don't waste your time and your energy seeking for answers that God ain't going to give you an answer. Because he already gave you the answer. It's in his written word. Amen. If you're going to ask God, God, should I have a drink tonight? Is it okay if I have a drink tonight? That's stupid. Excuse my New York. That's dumb. Go to the word of God. Be ye not drunk with wine. For it brings disillusion. It brings worse problems than when you took the wine. But be ye filled with. Anybody been drunk in the spirit at some point in your life? Anybody experienced what it is to be drunk in the spirit? There's no better high, dude. There is no better high. And, and you know what's, what's worse? When people that are depressed are taking depressants. I can never understand that. People depressed are taking, instead of taking antidepressants, they're taking depressants. So they're making their situation even worse. Because alcohol is a depressant. Just trying to use an analogy, an example. Amen. You already know what shot I told you to take. Take a shot of the spirit. Get drunk in the spirit. Some of us are hyper 
we're hyper-stressed because our life is so cluttered and our, we're so busy and, and, and so many things going on in our, our lives and we're hyper-stressed. And so we need a shot. Shot of the Holy Spirit. So that he could de-stress us. Amen. Let's move on. Purim. Remembrance. That's what it means. Remembrance of how is it that wicked Haman had determined on the month of Adar to destroy the Jews on the 12th day. That was his intent. Haman was a mighty person in the, in the Persian Empire. Persian Empire is what we know today as Iran. Iran is Persia. And so Haman was a powerful man. He was the second in command, the second in authority in that empire. So he was a powerful man. Now, what happened with Haman is he had an issue with Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew. Remember the Jews were taken in exile? And they were taken as captive. And so Mordecai worked in the king's palace. And when Haman was placed in position, there was an edit that was signed. And that was that whenever, whenever Haman walked in, everyone in the palace had to bow down. Now, the Jews had an issue with that because the Jews understood and they learned a lesson in Egypt, in the wilderness. And even throughout the years, they learned a lesson that you are not to bow down before anyone other than the God of Israel. And so true Jews would keep that covenant. Jews that were really religious, not those that said I'm Jewish but didn't practice. Like people that say I'm Christian but they, you know, they just have a label. They don't live their Christianity. But people that, Jews that live their religion because their religion was their culture and their culture was their religion. There was no separation between their culture and their faith. In the same manner that Christianity should not be something that you put on Sunday and then you take it off Monday or you take it off Friday when you go into the club to dance the, or to live la vida loca on the weekend. Christianity is meant to be lived out 24-7, seven days a week. Wherever you go, you don't stop being a Christian. If you're washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you got the promises of God, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, wherever you go, your Christianity goes with you. I don't care if you're in college. I don't care if you're in the university. I don't care what the professors are teaching against God. You're still a Christian. And whenever you got to stand up and defend your faith, you stand up. And if you, you're kicked out of the university, well, you're kicked out because I ain't going to bow down to no Haman. And I'm not going to bow down to any Baal. My Christianity is a part of who I am. If you can't accept my Christianity, you can't accept me. And if you can't accept me, guess what? I'm going to just wipe the dust off my feet and to heck with you. Heck. Isn't that what Jesus said? He didn't say heck, but he said, listen, wipe the dust off your feet. Wherever they don't receive you, just wipe the dust off your feet and just keep moving on. It's their loss, not yours. <laughs> if you lose a job because you didn't, weren't willing to compromise, if you lost a friend, if you lost a relationship, if you lost an opportunity for a scholarship because you were not willing to compromise, then guess what? God is preparing a table, a banqueting table. He's preparing a bigger, a bigger opportunity for you because you are willing to stand up for what you believe. So my challenge to everyone here this morning, don't take off your Christianity when you walk out. If you do, you're not a Christian. You're a hypocrite. Hallelujah. Alaba. Alaba si puede. Praise him if you can. That's what that means. That means that when you're doing business dealings out there, you don't take off your Christianity. <laughs> Come on. That means that when you're invited to a family party, you don't take off your Christianity. Christians that take off their Christianity in the holidays. Oh, because the family, you know. And you know what's worse? When you invite them to your to your territory, 
Well, you, you should be in control, and you allow them to take over. That's why I have issues with weddings and parties that Christians celebrate. And they, well, we got to have alcohol because, you know, my family drinks. Heck, my family. It's my party. And we won't have alcohol if I, if I don't want to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah was a two. You praise him if you can. This was a true Jew. This was a true man of God. Though he was in captivity, he was not willing to compromise. Similar to Daniel and the three young Hebrew men that were taken in captivity. They were not willing to compromise. We're living in a day where society is pressuring us. People are pressuring us. The norm, what society considers the norm today, is adding pressure to us and to our children. And unfortunately, we're not preparing our children to face the pressures of this culture. Because we're not giving them a true testimony. Because sometimes in our homes, we're not living the way we should be living. And not being an example. And we're living a double life. But if we learn to live for Christ, and if we learn to be an example for Christ, we will teach our children. We will raise our children we will raise them to love God, to honor God. And no matter what pressures they face in the world, no matter, I don't have to homeschool my child. If you do, praise God. But I don't have to. Sometimes we try to shelter our kids, thinking that by keeping them away from the world, then I, and all they're waiting is, oh, my God. Because sometimes with these, with these programs that we create to try to shelter our kids, what we're doing is we're setting them up for failure. Now, if you're homeschooling, praise God. That's all right. Do it. If that's what God lets you to do, do it. But do not do it for the sake of trying to keep your children away from the influences of the world. Because trust me, there's going to come a point when they're going to have to face the influences of the world. What you need to do is be a godly parent. It's teaching the statutes of God. The law of God. It's take out time. Less time to play video games and more time to read the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I haven't heard a testimony lately of a parent or a child saying... I just love when my mom or my dad takes out time with me and we just study the word together. No, now the testimony is, oh, me and dad, man, we love to play video games. Wow. I'm not saying you. I just like your hair. Now, I'm not knocking video games, guys. I'm not knocking video games. It's not my cup of tea is not something I enjoy. But if you enjoy it, that's okay. You have, you're entitled to do that. But if you're giving your children video games and if you're giving your children all these extracurricular activity and you're getting your children involved in every sport and in every program, secular program that society is setting up for your children to keep them out of the house of God and to keep them from getting the instructions of God, then you are committing a big mistake. It's got to be balanced. Back in the days when I was growing up, my parents... And the people of those days were not compromised. Sunday was the day of the Lord. So guess what? There was no sports. Because the ones that had influence was not the culture in the church, but the church in the culture. Matter of fact, malls were not open on Sunday. <laughs> Bars were not open on Sunday. Everything closed down on Sunday because Sunday was a day for everybody to be in church. And there was no excuse for any other activity but to be in the house of God. Today the world has turned the table on us. And so now we have, to, we have to do all these programs to accommodate all the activities that we want to have our kids in. And you take them to play baseball, and you're all excited. You think he's going to be a major leaguer? <laughs> Never will. Or if he does, he might be one in a million. Just look at the stats of how many kids that are playing baseball and basketball. And a lot of times we parents, we're just living what we couldn't do. We're living it through our children. We couldn't play for squat. But we wanted to play. So now we have, well, at least let me, let me fantasize by, by having my kid play. And hopefully he's good enough. And, and, and then we're even thinking selfishly. He might make it to the majors. And then, wow, we'll be delivered from all this. You don't need for your kid to make it to the majors to be delivered from death. Start giving your tithes and offerings. You won't need the major leagues to deliver you. <laughs> Just start being faithful to God with your finances. 
and you're going to see God coming through on your behalf. We need to be people of God's word. We need to be people of God. I'm not going to preach anymore because time is up. But Pastor Margie's been struggling with her knee, so I'm going to preach next Sunday. She's been struggling with that knee. That knee needs to get healed. So I'm going to preach next Sunday because i got to finish this message. I didn't even get into the, the end of the introduction. I'm still in the introduction. And there's some stuff in this message that is, it is vital, is important for us. But if you don't take anything else today, I just want you to know God is on your side. I want you to know no matter what you're going through, God is preparing a table of celebration, of joy. He's about to turn your sorrow into dancing. Amen. You're grieving into joy. Amen. Your, your, your time of, 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 of lament, he's about to turn it into gladness, into a celebration. Just hang in there. And what I'm telling you is if you're not hanging in there the right way, then get your life right with God. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Get into the word of God. Take out time daily. Get into the presence of God. To establish intimacy and relationship with God. And as you you do, you're going to see the promises of God. And not only that, you're going to feel yourself becoming stronger and stronger and bolder and bolder. And you're going to see that no longer will the things of the world intimidate you. But you will find yourself standing in the midst of your enemies and raising the standard of Jesus, the banner of Jesus, raising it high, regardless in what arena you might find yourself. That's be a Mordecai. Be a Mordecai. Be an Esther. And I'm going to get into them specifically more next Sunday. Now, if you came today, you need to come next Sunday. Oh, we're not here next Sunday. Okay. Yeah. The church is here next Sunday. So two Sundays from now, two Sundays from now, um, I'm going to finish this message. So make it a, your business to be here next Sunday. God is still going to be here, though Pastor Margie and I will not. There's going to be a preaching next Sunday. But two Sundays from now, I'm going to finish this message because I need to do it. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Is there anyone here that's struggling with your, in your relationship with God? Anyone here that's really having a, a battle? You feel like, man, everything has fallen on me. You feel like giving up. I mean, Josh spoke some words that I believe were, were, were spirit-led during worship. I was sitting there and I could sense the spirit of God was, was trying to bring hope to someone that feels hopeless. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you right there in your seat, just cry out to God. Cry to God. As a matter of fact, everybody keep your eyes closed. If there's anyone like that, just raise your hand right where you're at. I'm the only one looking at you. I'm going to send someone your way. They're going to pray for you. feel like this is the 12th day of Adar or you might feel that that day is approaching the day when your enemies have set out to destroy you I'm here to tell you God is about to turn your situation around this morning because you humble yourself and you believe and you receive the word of God I believe God is about to turn your issue can't stand seeing my brothers and sisters struggling it irks me it irates me against the devil when I see a brother and sister struggling God has called us into community and we're here to fight with you we're here to fight alongside of you I want you to know you're not alone 
we are a family in Christ. We are here to fight. We're here to hold your hands up when you can't hold them up yourself. We're here to stand in the trenches. We don't come here just to have Sunday services and have a good time. We come here because we're a family. And if you're not doing well, I'm not doing well. If you're struggling, your struggle becomes my struggle. Your pain becomes my pain. We're here to break that trend. Someone says that the church is the only army that sees his wounded dying and leaves them dying. We're here to break that trend. Ain't no more, no more deaths in this house. Ain't no more spiritual deaths in this house. Ain't no more spirit of depression going to destroy one of my brothers and sisters. We're going to pick you up, and if we have to carry you, we'll carry you. We're going to see this through in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, right now, just overwhelm this room. Overwhelm this heart, these hearts. Pour out. Pour out your comfort, Holy Spirit, right now all over this room. Pour out your peace right now for those whose hearts are in turmoil. Bring overwhelming peace. Satan, in the name of Jesus, We command you to release your hold. God's people. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of death. Spirit of gloom. Spirit of, of, of destruction. We cast you out from our boundaries, from our territory. We cast you out. You have no part in the lives of God's children. Spirit of insecurity. Spirit that is causing people here to feel worthless. In the name of Jesus, we cast you out. We accept the promises of God. We accept the word of God. We are the apple of God's eyes. Jesus' name. declaring breakthrough all over this room Father we're declaring breakthrough right now open the eyes so that they can see that greater is the army that you've sent on their behalf than the enemy that has sought to destroy them open their eyes oh God open their understanding oh God Jesus mighty name Give God a praise this morning. Give God a praise. Give God a praise this morning. Give God a praise this morning. 